0: Thank you for being here. If you're new around here, my name's Stephen. I'm the pastor. Uh, You're joining us in week two of a series. uh, It's just a two-week series entitled Stop the Spread. And the series is based on Acts chapter 4, verse 17, where the powers that be get together. And the whole aim of them getting together is to stop the spread of the gospel. We kicked this off last week, and I walked through some of the tactics of team truth suppression. See, last week I laid out that there are very clearly two teams. There is truth-telling team and truth-suppressing team. Uh, team Jesus, team stay in. team righteousness, team evil. And team Jesus uh, has been given a mission, and that is to bring the gospel, the gospel of truth, to the world. Uh, it's a gospel that produces freedom. Team truth suppression also has a mission, and that is to stop the spread of that gospel. The Acts chapter 4 uh, comes out of uh, what happened in Acts chapter 3. In Acts chapter 3, uh, Peter and John are uh, um, walking or approaching the temple, and there is a man. Uh, he's been lame since birth, and uh, Peter and John walk up. And they create this miracle moment where in the name of Jesus, they heal the man, uh, and he stands up, and he's completely healed. Now, we believe it to be a literal story, uh, but we also think it's a picture of how the world works. Uh, That there is a world that is hurting, a world that is broken, a world that is in need of the truth of the gospel, and there is a church that has been called to bring the gospel to the hurting world. Now, one thing that stops or is in the way of the the church bringing the gospel to the world are the powers of this world, the rulers of this world, uh, led by the enemy Satan, uh, who want to suppress the truth. From getting out sometimes, like in Acts chapter four, the truth suppression comes from a religious uh, uh, angle, other times it comes from a worldly angle, and Acts chapter four is really a mirror of culture for two thousand years. And so last week, we kind of laid out this all as a premise. This week, what I want to do, uh, I want to lay out one tactic. Uh, that Team Truth Suppression uses uh, in order to, to stop the spread. Uh, I had five tactics, but we, my first practice sermon was 87 minutes, okay? So I cut it down to four, okay? So we'll hit 83 minutes, all right? I actually cut it down to one, and last service, we still we still went too long. So uh, I, we're going to go with zero. You guys have a great week. We'll see you later, <laughs> Okay. Uh, I kind of just I'm going to summarize it all and what I want to do is I want to walk through the tactic said another way uh, we're just exposing the enemy's playbook because when you know the enemy's playbook, uh, then you can know how, better, how to combat it. And we know how to combat, and that is through truth. See, in John 17, 17, Jesus was praying, and he said this. Uh, sanctify them. He was talking about follow, his followers throughout the centuries. He said, sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Apart from truth, uh, there is no sanctification. There is no transformation. Uh, said more plainly, we can't grow in Christ apart from hearing truth. John ten ten. the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and they may have it to the full. How does that uh, fullness come through? Through the grace and truth of Christ. Now, back in that little story that I told where Peter and John were walking up to the temple and the, the hurting man was there, would this have been the loving thing to do? Would it have been the loving thing to do for Peter and John to show up and to see the man and for the man to desire healing and for Peter and John to say, here's what I can do for you. Um, I I can talk about morality. I can talk about a good society. uh, I can talk about some vague understanding of Old Testament scriptures. uh, I can talk about some universal truths and I can offer them to you uh, and I won't offend you, but you'll also stay in your current state what I just described is how the world now defines love that as long as we don't offend the recipient we are acting in love I would propose that the loving thing for Peter and John to do when they showed up was to do exactly what they did which was to say in the name of Jesus rise up and walk that it is the power of Christ, it is the truth that actually led to, their tra- to, to the man's transformation. This is the position of the church and has been the position of the church for 2,000 years. Uh, Paul would write later and say that the church is to be the pillar and the buttress of the truth. That Jesus said, The truth will set you free. That for the church to be on its mission of bringing freedom and redemption to the world, to proclaim the gospel to all nations, it must be tied to clear truth. Clear truth of what is said in the scriptures. Clear truth of the gospel. The fullness of who Christ is. And teen truth suppression wants to suppress that truth. Now in verse 13... Uh, of Acts chapter 4. I'll kind of walk through these verses, and then we're going to hop over to 1 Corinthians, and I'll show you a tactic of how team truth suppression works. Verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, this is the powers that be, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, by the way, isn't it interesting how it says when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, a boldness, biblical boldness, is uh, being willing to speak clear truth regardless of the consequences. Biblical boldness is being willing to speak clear truth regardless of the consequences. I was having a conversation with uh, someone. She's in a, I think it's a doctorate program and uh, some advanced program and, in, in, in a university setting. And in there, she's one of the only Christians. And she said, how, uh, how can I uh, speak up in my environment uh, when I know, uh, actually she said, how can I speak boldly in my environment um, but, but taking into consideration what the consequences might be? And we kind of kept talking through it. And she arrived, she's you know, doctor student, she's a smart girl, right? She arrived at the conclusion. She said, Ah, if there weren't consequences, I guess it really wouldn't be bold, would it? Right. And and here it says this when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. That's what fired them up. It was it was their boldness about Christ right? But notice it doesn't say this. When they saw the passivity, when they saw the silence, when they saw the ambiguity, when they saw the lack of interest of Peter and John, the world is not uh, looking in. Team truth suppression is not looking in and saying, okay, who are the most passive, ambiguous, disinterested, silent Christians out there? Let's go mess with them. And like I said last week, now is not the time in our world for the church to be silent, ambiguous, disinterested, or passive. Now is the time to stand. That's what now is. And the the world and Team Truth Suppression, when they see the boldness of the church, will respond. And here's how they will respond. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. Why? Because team truth suppression hates, hates to be upended or to be outdone by the commoner. The, the elite, the intellectual, the establishment hates to see the average one, to see the, uh, the, the, the everyday person outdo them. And so the, 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 this is the religious establishment. The religious establishment says, well, you guys haven't followed our rules. You have been trained like we've been trained. You don't know what we know. And what's being set up here is an argument that says this, that worldly wisdom is greater than biblical wisdom. You are common, uneducated men. Why should we listen to you? In fact, that's exactly what they're going to say to the man who was healed later. They're gonna get into a conversation with the man. And at some point in time, uh, because the man is challenging them, because the man is challenging them, what they're going to do is they're going to assassinate the man's character. Exactly what they're doing here. And this is what Team Truth Suppression does. When they can't win in fact, they turn to attacking the messenger. That's exactly what is going going to happen with Peter and John. It's exactly what happens to the man who is healed says, they recognized that they had been with Jesus, but seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. How incredible is that? Team Truth Suppression is looking in, and they're seeing the reality of the situation. They're seeing the clear fact right in front of them. But instead of dealing with the reality of the situation, it says, well, they had nothing to say in opposition. Why? Because team truth suppression has nothing to say when fact and truth is brought up. They only then will shift tactics. Okay, attack the messenger. Okay, we'll see next. Punish them. Uh, Attack them for speaking truth. They have nothing to say when you actually take in the reality of what is going on. Can we see how evil this is? Can we see how evil this is? This is the evil nature of team truth suppression. They're looking in, and they are seeing a man who has been healed. Let me say it again. They are seeing people walk in freedom, and instead of celebrating the freedom that these people are walking in, they are more concerned about preserving their power. That's the nature of team truth suppression. They will suppress truth to preserve their power because they don't actually care about people, they care about their power. And so here's the man. Clearly, he's been healed. Clearly, what this man needs is exactly what the whole world needs. But the uh, team truth suppression knows if the whole world gets this, they've lost their power. And so let's stop it. This is evil. Evil. Team, true suppression is evil. Why? Because they want to stop the world from walking in the freedom that Christ grants. We seen a man who was healed standing beside them. They had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council. This is one of the other tactics, by the way, of Team truth Suppression. What they do is they're, uh, they're faced with the reality of the situation. It's clear. Instead of trying to extend the freedom and the goodness of what has just happened, they uh, tell people, why don't you guys go ahead and just leave, okay? It says when they leave the council, kick them out. Okay, now that the opposition is gone and they can't even be in here to defend themselves, let's go make a decision for the world. Let's make a decision in the darkness, Let's make a decision um, um, for the people uh, that will be proposed like it is for the people, but we know it's really for our power preservation. And so that's exactly what they're going to do. But when they had commanded them, they're going to kick them out, right? They conferred with one another saying, okay, what shall we do with these men? How tragic is it that the question is not, what can we do so that more men uh, who, uh, who were, uh, um, uh, had an ailment are now healed? They, they don't ask the question, how can we expand and extend the freedom that just moved out? How, how can we come alongside what is clearly amazing? Instead, they say, okay, now hold on. What can we do with these men? How can we stop freedom from continuing? That's their quest and name. "What can we do with these men?" they asked themselves. For that, a notable sign has been performed through them, is evidence to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. the The fact that uh, that something good is happening, the fact that freedom is on the move, it's so obvious. Uh, it would be silly for us to deny the current state of reality, and so we won't even try and deny it. Instead, what we'll do is we'll try to destroy the messengers. This is the tactic. It's the tactic 2,000 years ago. It's the tactic to this day. goes on. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. In other words, suppress the truth. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. You can keep talking, but don't talk about the thing that actually matters. In other words, conform to our perspective. Conform to our worldview. Conform to what we think is acceptable. Leave your values and leave your belief and leave your Jesus out of it. That's the tactic. But Peter and John answered them, and by the way, church, this is the only appropriate response in the face of uh, truth suppression. But Peter and John answered them whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you can judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. In other words, you can tell us to shut up, but we can't shut up because we have seen and experienced the truth of the gospel and the power of Christ, and we're just going to keep talking. Church, that is our only response keep on he says this and when they had further threatened them threatened them why are they threatening them all they did was heal a man and they're threatened why because team truth suppression knows that if the truth gets out it's bad news for them and so we've got to cut it off early Last week, I walked through their tactics in that, all right? It starts with being annoyed by truth, and then it moves into um, arresting those who are proclaiming the truth. That's what we're going to see here in a second. And then it moves to assassinating those who proclaim the truth in order to send a message. That's how it moves here through Acts. It's how it moves through, it's how it's moved through history, and it's how it moves to this day. And then I said this, somewhere uh, right now in our country, we are somewhere between annoyed and arresting when it comes to proclaiming truth. That's what I said last week. And then uh, I was on my way home, and somebody sent me uh, an article. And uh, it was an article of a story. And and I thought, well, had you sent me this beforehand, I would have amended and said, uh, not that we're almost in arresting. uh, We've apparently entered into the realm of the circle. It was a disturbing story. Maybe you've heard this. Okay, it was a Catholic man. He uh, was uh, a pro-life um, activist operating under his constitutional right uh, right to, um, to oppose peacefully. And when I say peaceful, I mean actually peacefully. Okay, not peaceful from 2020 and 2021. Okay, like actual peace. Okay, peacefully um, um, using his constitutional right to protest uh, um, uh, abortion and uh, was then um, ridiculously charged okay, uh, with federal offenses, okay, and then this man, no history of violence, isn't actually, hasn't actually been uh, uh, convicted of committing a crime yet, okay, Uh, is in his home with his seven children, okay, again, no history of violence, and the FBI, which, by the way, is now just the new power and the tool of true suppression, okay, Uh, if you don't believe me, just read anything, okay, Um, 27 armed armed FBI agents broken uh, to his house, Okay, armed in front of his seven children These are the kind of stories that we used to say uh, That we would used to hear about and go Man, I'm so glad that doesn't happen here Guess what? It does now It does now Why? Because when truth suppression is on the move They will use every tool at their disposal In order to suppress the truth And so it starts with, we're annoyed, we'll make fun of you, we'll cancel you, we'll cut you off of Twitter, we'll demonetize you on YouTube. I mean, even the Babylon Bee got demonetized. And isn't it sad that the Babylon Bee is the only remaining truthful news station left, right? We'll, we'll do whatever we can, okay? We'll cut it all off. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll suppress. We'll sur- okay, that's not working. All right, why don't we go ahead and send 27 FBI agents into the house of an innocent man uh, just because he was simply trying to stop Satan's greatest tool, abortion. We'll attack him then, and we'll go after him. This is where we're at. This is where we're at. If, by the way, if you came in today uh, and, and, and you didn't know um, what the stakes are, I'm, I'm trying to explain them to you. Um Satan's lie right now is this, you've heard me say this the last couple of days or cut last couple of weeks. Okay? Don't worry, everything's fine. That's Team Truth Suppression's message all the time. Don't worry, everything's fine. Don't worry about it. Just turn your head. Turn your head. Uh, imagine this, this uh, I just wanna, uh, I want us all to have a picture of this Peter and John They're walking up They have the power and the ability To heal the man that is right there You know what Team True Suppression would have done? What they would have done is They would have shown up They would have arrested Peter and John Before they could heal the man Send them off Throw them in prison And then tell everybody else who was walking in Don't worry, everything's fine Don't worry about the guy Who could have walked in freedom that is what Team True Suppression wants to do. Shut up the church and stop them before they proclaim the truth that God has called us to proclaim. It's our job to not let them. It's our job to keep proclaiming the truth. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them. Why would they be punished? It makes no sense. And by the way, the further we get into this today, nothing on Team True Suppression's side ever makes sense. It's not supposed to. It's not supposed to. But it will all be cloaked in language like we make sense and you guys don't. We understand and you don't. We have Ivy League degrees and you don't. We're in positions of power and you're not. We control the airwaves, you don't. We have it, you don't. Shut up. You're a flyover. We'll use words and language to describe, they will, to describe those who would want to proclaim the truth. They found no way to punish them. But why do they find no way to punish them? Because of the people. That's why. And the church for 2,000 years has been the thing that has stood between the evil of truth suppression in all of its forms and actually bringing freedom to people. The church is what stands in the way. And the tragedy of the last couple of years, particularly in our nation, is that where the church has failed to stand Team Truth suppression, has ratcheted up all of their anger and aggression, and have tightened up everything, and have uh, tried to suppress truth in greater measure because the church got confused on what its job was. And the woke church emerged not caring about truth at all, but rather uh, would rather buddy up next to team truth suppression. And what have we seen? The slow deterioration. It used to be slow. Now it's just accelerating. Just, it's just accelerating like crazy. And, and what we have then is team true suppression, right, saying this. Uh, uh, we're the ones who get it. We're the ones we, uh, who understand. You guys are dumb. You believe in your Bible. Uh, and, uh, and just shut up and let us uh, take care of everything. Don't worry. Everything's fine. After all, we believe in science, right? I mean, how many times have you seen that? We believe in science. Listen, if your science doesn't know who created the world, what a woman is, or that that's a heartbeat at six weeks, you don't believe in science. You believe in a very distorted view of reality told to you by a collective of darkened forces that have one aim in mind, suppress the truth to keep people enslaved. That's what you believe, okay? Because science knows that God created the universe. Science knows there are two genders, male and female. Science knows that's a baby in there. That's what science knows. But we don't want to deal with the facts, right? We'll attack the messengers. Goes on. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. You know what I love about that part at the end? Saying this, no one's out of touch. No one, no one is is so far gone that the gospel can't go back and win them. This man had been sitting in it for 40 years, and the power of Jesus comes in, breaks in, and changes everything. And friend, we can, and I will, (laughs) rail and rant against Team True Suppression, but we can't ever forget that our gospel cancels their efforts. And in a moment of the gospel truth, it breaks in. This man was, he was 40 years old. It wasn't like this happened last week. You're saying, no, 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 no. There is no one, there is no one who can't be touched by this gospel. And friends, we have to believe that. We have to believe that as the church we can bring this gospel to the world and it will, it'll touch those, it'll change those who have been sitting in there uh, sitting uh, without truth for 40 years and it'll come in and it'll break in and it will change everything. And, and why would we do what we do if we don't believe the gospel can break in like that? Now, at the heart of all of this tactic that I've just walked through is this kind of idea that, um, that worldly wisdom is greater than biblical wisdom that the, the perspective and the view of the world uh, uh, is better to be followed than, than God's perspective. And sometimes, even as Christians, we can begin to fall into the lie uh, and we can begin to think through the world's perspective and think, okay, maybe it is better. Maybe it is more loving. Uh, maybe it is the best way to do it. Uh, maybe I should give in to Team Truth Suppression. I mean, they do have a lot of followers on Twitter. Like, maybe I should, uh, like, like, hop in on this. I mean, look at all of the celebrities who are saying that this is the right way to do it. Like, maybe I want to be on Team Elite. Maybe I want to be on Team Intellectual, right? Like, maybe I should uh, follow in and fall in line with that. Like, Stephen, do you have any biblical reason on why I would rather be on Team Common than Team Truth Intellectual Elite? I do. First Corinthians. Let's read it. This will make it pretty clear what team you want to be on. (laughs) For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Let me translate. Where is the intellectual elite? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. In other words, the world's wisdom would have never gotten us to a place of freedom. So God showed up and he did what the world thought was foolish. He sent a son, Christ for Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom but we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God for the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men in other words godly wisdom is greater than biblical wisdom (laughs) that didn't make sense godly wisdom is greater than worldly wisdom For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. There were a couple of you, but not a lot. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. In other words, if your um, strategy is at the end, um, you're going to figure it all out. And here's what uh, the world strategy is. The world's strategy is to remove the wisdom of God and to propose a type of um, self-made um, humanistic religion and perspective on the world that is better than, than God's view of society and the world. That's the goal. God has a a plan and a strategy, okay? And I'm gonna walk you through that in in a couple moments. God has a plan and a strategy on how all of this is supposed to work. And what the world wants to do is step in and they wanna remove all of God's strategy with their own thinking. And I'm gonna walk you through some of that thinking here in a second. But because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. What's it saying here? Uh, That um, um, apart from Christ, none of us could walk in our salvation, okay? We couldn't create our own strategy to make things right with God. And then further in that, apart from Christ, we can't make things right in this world apart from Christ and his wisdom and his truth. But yet the world tries to do so. The world tries to create a world apart from Christ, okay, that they think will solve the problems of our day. And what does it do? It creates destruction and havoc. In fact, even as we study historically, uh, the, the nations that most abandon God are the ones who walk in the greatest levels of fear, tyranny, death, and destruction, if you don't believe me, look at Nazi Germany, look at Socialist Russia, and look at Communist China. Uh, entities uh, actually formed on the idea that God doesn't exist and that humanity, in essence, can, can create all of the solutions on its own. That sits at the bottom of it and then we work everything. What's the, other, uh, the alternative? Uh, an idea where we understand who God is and how he has created the world for it to function. This is the battle that is at stake. And it is being fought right now, and it's being fought in every circle and sphere, and the Christian uh, uh, brings the gospel to each and every one of those spheres and to every part of our understanding. As Christians, when I step into Christ, the gospel now uh, informs everything that I do. The gospel is going to inform uh, how I look at men, how I look at women, how I look at marriage, how I look at family, how I look at society, The gospel is going to break in. It's going to change the way I look at it. And then it's going to inform how I act after that. And what the world wants to do is it wants to send its message and have us think that its message is correct. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to spend a little bit of time here. I'm going to walk through this, okay? And what you can grab one of these on your way out. Uh, it's kind of also an invite to our upcoming series on October 23rd. Uh, that series is called Clear Truth for a Confused World, uh, because ambiguity, uh, it's not helpful anymore. Right? And so I'm just going to walk through some clear truths On what the Bible says Versus what the world says And I want you to know that as I walk through this This morning okay, um, That my intent in this And, uh, and even if you, you read some of this And you're like, oh, I can't believe uh, they wrote that By the way, they is just me So if you're going to be mad at anyone, just be mad at me okay? All right? um, As you read through it uh, The point of this is not It's not to, to put anyone down It's not to make fun of anyone What it is, is it is to make clear what the world's agenda and objective is and to show the complete contrast of how good God's plan is. And what the enemy wants us to believe is that we can somehow merge them both together. You can't. You can't, that's a lie. And so what we're gonna do is we're just gonna walk through them nice and clear, then you can take one out, and you know who needs to come and join us at this upcoming series, Uh, and so you can grab one of these and get this, and they're going to go, whoa, I can't believe they wrote that down. We did. Here it is for you. The other thing I'm going to do is this. I'm going to walk through a couple of quotes, and then I'm going to give you a verse, and then I'm going to read you what I wrote, and then I'll offer my commentary as we go, which is always exciting, and we have no idea where it'll go. (laughs) Let me give you a quote. We're going to go men, women, marriage, family, society. These are the five weeks of the upcoming series. And by the way, um, I, I know that in this, I'm not going to address singleness, and I just want to say this. I didn't get married until 30, so like, I, I understand being a part of the church and being a single person, and it can be hard sometimes. Uh, and the last thing we would ever want to do here is create like two tiers of citizenship right, in our church, single, married, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and so even as I walk through this, I, I just want you to know, like, what we're doing here is we're trying to go back to Genesis 1 and 2 and see what did God have in mind, okay? But also understanding uh, that... Um, I, I don't want to say we live in a fallen world because I'm not saying that singleness is a result of fallen, uh, the fallen world. Uh, just understanding um, that, let me say it this way, Jesus was single, <laughs> okay? Maybe Paul was, who knows, people debate, right? Um, and, and, and in that, I, I just want to make sure that all the single people out there, okay, that, we, that, that, that you don't feel alienated through this conversation, okay? So I want to take a second and set that up before I go in here. Okay, let's talk about men first. Uh, Katie Lang, okay, um, uh, call this person like a pop culture icon, uh, here is her statement on masculinity, okay? We can have a little bit of fun with this, but we just realize that our, uh, underneath the fun uh, is the idea um, that, uh, man, we, we live in a broken world. Okay, here's the quote. I think masculinity is bravado against the mystery of the universe of women. What's she saying? She's saying masculinity is man's attempt to try to take over the world that was created for women, that's what she's saying. Genesis 126 has a different story. So God created man in his own image. First Corinthians later tells us God created man and then the woman from man, okay? Now, the world was created ultimately for God and then he placed us in it to bring him glory, okay? But uh, what Ms. Lane here is saying is now the world is for women, right? The world is for women and masculinity is an attempt to fight against that. And so we use terms like toxic masculinity. In fact, let me describe uh, the world's perspective on men. Here's the distorted view of men Uh, men are either over aggressive or weak, they're fools that can't be trusted. Just watch any sitcom. Men need to tone down their testosterone. In fact, much in our culture and society, our diets, uh, things that are talked about that men should do are actually underhanded ways to tone down testosterone because masculinity is toxic. I don't know about you, but I actually think we could use a little bit more toxic masculinity in this world, Okay. Because I am pretty sure that if a religious leader walked into an irreligious setting and started flipping over tables, that that would be tweeted as toxic masculinity. And that was my Jesus who did that. Men must worship sex, money, achievement, and power. And then oftentimes in their quest for that, they're called toxic, right? Right? And isn't it interesting that if you climb to the top and if you believe the lies of the world and you climb to the top, then you're celebrated, right? And, uh, and then if you're at the bottom of it, okay, um, and you believe the lies of the world, um, then you're, dis- you're disadvantaged. But if you climb to the top and you don't believe with the values of the world, uh, then, then things are thrown at you. Okay uh, then, then you're called evil Right uh, but if, And then if you're at the bottom And you believe the values of this world Okay Then it was your fault For being at the bottom I mean that's okay Why? Because true suppression it, They're not geared toward anything Other than um, strict adherence To their perspective On how the world operates And so this then Comes after men Now here's how uh, Here's what the Bible says about men Guys listen up God created man in his image, calls men to work and gives them strength. Men are called to be the head of the household, to stand for justice and to worship God. When men are operating in biblical submission to God, their authority over their household leads their families into peace, order, and provision. They're to act like men. That's an actual verse in the Bible. Taking responsibility for the well-being of their families and their society. They're to love their wives like Christ loved the church, laying down their lives if necessary to care for those whom God has placed under their protection. They are mandated to subdue the earth. And right now, the world and evil true suppression wants to tell men, especially young men, that somehow ambition and working hard and wanting to conquer and wanting to do things is bad. That is a lie from the enemy. God looked at man and he said, go do work, son. Go make something of yourself. Have ambition, have goals, go get it. That's what we were called to do to the earth, called out of the potential of its raw materials. This is accomplished through hard work of all kinds. Fulfillment comes from obedient to God's mandate to work through iron sharpens iron. That's another Bible verse. Friendships. Guys, this is why we need to be hanging out with each other. I don't care if you're working out. I don't care if you're reading your Bible. I don't care what you're doing. As long as it's not sin, get together, hang out with other dudes. That's why we have a men's event November 5th. Friendship with other godly men in building strong families and in submitting to Christ over all. When they carry out their role in submission to Christ, everything under their leadership flourishes. Now listen, I understand that sometimes from a fallen nature, you can act perfectly and things still don't happen perfectly underneath you, but this is the ideal that God created. And men, we should walk in this. That's why I'm going to spend the whole first week, because if God started with men, I'm going to start with men on the first week of this series, and I'm going to preach a whole sermon on this. Let's talk about women next. This one gets, well, Satan hates women. He just hates them. That's what started in Genesis 3. He didn't go after man first. He went after woman first. And he's been doing it ever since. And that's why the, what I'm about to read is, is so confusing and ridiculous because it's so true because Satan hates women so much. And guys, guys, Adam was placed between, supposedly, supposed to be, between the serpent and Eve and, and didn't step up. And so when we look out at the world right now and say, oh, man, why is it so crazy? and Why is it attacking women so much? Guys, we have to take responsibility for that. That's on us, which means it's also on us to step up and to fix it. Here's a statement, okay? Because we're gonna, if we're going to attack women, okay, let me just say it this way. There's no documentary called What is a Man?, The very nature of it is that no one's attacking. Uh, no one's even attacking uh, what it is to be a man. We're gonna, but we're going to have a documentary on what is a woman. In fact, this is so tragic that one of the leading, supposedly, nine intellectuals of our day, who has, been, um, who has sworn to protect our Constitution over now what has been 250 years, when asked what a woman is, responded with, I'm not a biologist, No, but you are older than four (laughs) and should know the answer to this question. You say, oh, yeah, why is this so funny? Why is this so important? Because if you don't know the truth about that, I get very concerned what other truths you don't know. What other places you would be willing to take society if we can't agree on what is most basic? Genesis 127 has a just very brief objection to the statement, I'm not a biologist. God created them male and female. Okay, I've heard enough. God tells me what is true. There's male and there's female. And we all know the differences. World's distortion of Women. This is how much Satan hates women, okay? And if you read this and you get mad at me for reading truth, okay, you need to evaluate your own heart, and instead you need to be mad at Satan who distorted everything. Women are very confused. They are great. Actually, they are the best, unless they don't want to be a woman. In that case, that's fine. But if they do want to be a woman, they are definitely better than men, unless that man that they are better than wants to be a woman. If he does, he will make the best woman. Maybe even woman of the year. <laughs> they must have complete control over their bodies unless mandated to get a vaccine. Then that's okay. Without any consequences. They must be fiercely independent and they must have access to their most powerful ally, abortion. They must be feminist, but they must not believe that there is a difference between a man and a woman. Unless they want to be a man, in that case, that's fine, and they make the best man. Okay? Okay? Satan hates women. And that's why I can read that and everyone can go, yep, that about sums it up. Let me give you an alternative picture. God created women beautifully in his image Women are called to use their gifts and talents To honor God and serve others Tend their homes, love their husbands, and have children In singleness, they serve God and those around them By their creativity, nurturing spirit, and relational nature In marriage, they submit to their husbands Like the church submits to Christ Allowing themselves to be led and provided for by him Their gifts and talents are used to create beauty and provision Both within the home and outside its walls As mothers, they teach their children to follow God And demonstrate the beauty of Christ's sacrificial love And amen And that's a God who loves women. And we have a world and an enemy who wants to distort it so much to make us think that the first answer is somehow better. That's the path to freedom. No, it isn't, it's a lie. Let's talk about marriage. Shannon Keating, okay, she's the chief editor for BuzzFeed, okay, which is just a popular internet site. I was gonna use a Miley Cyrus quote for this one. Actually, I was going to use a Miley Cyrus quote for all of them because um, <laughs> there were plenty. Here's what Ms. Keating has to say. If there's ever been a time to really, truly reckon with the harm wrought by organizing our society around the married couple and the private household, it is now. What is she saying? She's saying, now is the time that we have to look in and go, oh man, they've uh, tricked us into this lie of organizing society around a married couple in a household and we need to disrupt this before it settles in even more. Now is the time to evaluate why that is ruining everything and that plan is horrible. Here's the problem. Whose plan was that? God's. It was God's plan. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Let me say this: We can not disconnect the ruling in June of 2015 to legalize same-sex marriage with the intense, accelerated uh, woke decay that we have seen over the last seven years. You can attempt to disconnect those two things in your head, and you would be wrong. When a nation. When a nation sets aside, and we're the 16th country out of all of them to do this, when a nation looks and says, hey, God, your first fundamental thing that you established, the first covenant that you established, the first thing that you created, we're just gonna set it aside as a whole country and not expect for that to accelerate other godlessness. And we have seen it. We have seen it. Oh, but the loving thing would be, remember, you have to remember the picture, We still want to believe. No, the loving thing, Stephen, would be for Peter and John to come up to the lame man and to walk away. Let him stay. Let him stay in his condition. I just don't believe that's a loving thing to do. I think it's much better to look at that man and say, rise up and walk. In church, that's our job. Okay, I've read this on marriage before. I'll read it again. Marriage is a self-fulfilling partnership that lasts as long as it benefits me. My spouse is near perfect. My feelings last and the benefits outweigh the negatives. It is also a competition to see who can get the most benefit out of the arrangement. And it is built on the shaky ground of continued great performance as well as financial, social, and mental health benefits. It is easily dissolved when the benefits run out or I find someone better. World's view of marriage. Let me give you God's view. Marriage is a mutually sanctifying relationship that lasts uh, for life, regardless of feelings, my spouse's performance, and the gap between the benefits and the negatives. The aim is not how I can be served, but how I can best serve my spouse. It is established by God, it is mutually submissive, it has clear gender roles, and it is built on the solid foundation of Christ's perfection, not my own or my spouse's. A biblical marriage reflects God's nature well and provides a safe, solid foundation for children to be raised as disciples of Christ. So have as many as you can. Amen. <laughs> Lindsay's pregnant. I'm kidding. <laughs> I only get to use that one once. All right, I'm done. We just had a baby like three months ago, if you were wondering why that's funny. Okay. Satan hates marriage. He hates women. He hates marriage. He's coming after it. Somebody sent me an article this week of a polygamous movement in New York trying to get it legalized. That's the next round. And people always say, oh, no, this won't lead to that. This always leads to that. Read history This always leads to that Why? Because immorality knows no bounds There's no limit to the sinful nature It will get increasingly sinful Next one Miss Keating goes on Parents um, I'm talking about family now Parents aren't safeguards and moral arbiters They are the reason their kids are so messed up in the first place Contrast that with Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, (laughs) for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise. Do you see the very two different perspectives? Do you see them? Last week, um, I talked about um, a particular governor of New York, no, not New York, California, uh, right, and his billboards across the country distorting Scripture uh, in order to promote abortion. And uh, this week, we can talk about his next attempt to destroy the family in law that they're attempting to get passed in California, right, to strip parents of their rights. And I can say this right now, Christians, you and I have been given our children by God, and where the state wants to influence them and their conscience to think of sin, or wants to strip us of our rightful authority of them over them, we have a moral obligation to stand up and say no. A hundred percent. God gave me those children, not you, and certainly not the state. Oh, but this won't lead to that. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. Let's talk about family. The nuclear fam- this is the world's distortion of family. The nuclear family is an outdated system of control and abuse. It is an opportunity for men to dominate women and children, and it creates an environment for women to be miserable and kids to be brainwashed. That's what the world has taught us about family. And here are the acceptable family structures in the world's perspective. Wife, husband. Wife, kids, husband. Wife, kids, pets, husband. Kids, Wife, husband, mom, kids, kids, mom, 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 kids, dad, dad, kids. The only time the man gets to be at the head of the structure is if there's two of them. That's what the world has taught us. It hates family. Here's the Bible's view. Family is God's plan for joy, child raising, and our sanctification. The family home is the environment where men, women, and children become the best version of themselves and children are prepared for a life of discipleship under Christ. God, husband, wife, kids, dozens of them. (laughs) Somebody came up to me and they were like, so you've got a you got your, and they said they get, oh, you got, you got number three, like they said something, they thought Lindsay was still pregnant, number three. And I was like, oh, no, no, we already had the baby. He said, oh, no, I was saying that she's pregnant with triplets. And I was like, you shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Last one. This is from a woman by the name of Shulamith Firestone who was a leader in the feminist movement, and her ideas then um, got entrenched in the movement itself. Feminism, when it truly achieves its goals, will crack through the most basic structures of our society. Like what? Marriage and family. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Then the Lord God said to it, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. I can't wait to preach on this. Seven weeks, I'm going to preach on society. And uh, we're going to talk through what God's perspective on society is. Let me give you a snapshot uh, real quick because we see a very clear picture of the world. And as I'm looking through the world's distortion, we can see where this, again, I've already labeled them again, uh, we can see a couple of places where this has been the most extreme, but we have to watch for it in our own culture. We, it's easy to identify what I'm about to read in, in, uh, in China, in Russia, uh, particularly historically. Okay, but we have to see where this is coming into our own country. Society, here's the view. Society is a collection of humans evolved over millions of years. Let me just, if I was thinking, what would I do? Oh, 50 to 60 years ago, as I was laying the groundwork for where we are now, I would uh, work into our schools that God didn't create the universe. So then, for 50 to 60 years, children would grow up thinking this first statement, which would lead us to the path that we're at. Satan has a strategy, friends. Society is a collection of humans evolved over millions of years. Differences are pointed out and used as a means to create division. Differences are pointed out and used as means to create division. That's just called critical race theory in 2022. That's what that is. It's critical race theory, which is let's just point out everybody's differences and then use them as a means and a mechanism uh, to divide everybody and to turn everyone against each other, okay? The state is the old—by the way, you just have to ask yourself, who are the people that are proposing these ideas because they're working for Satan? The state is—was that too true? No, okay. Okay. The state is the ultimate authority and sets the standard of what is right and wrong, like redefining marriage. It is tasked with defining what a man, woman, marriage, and family are. It replaces God as sovereign and exists to destroy God's standard, ruin joy, and it cloaks freedom in sinful enslavement. The government exists to tyrannically enforce Satan's values, limit freedom, and subvert the family's role God created. Education is a means of brainwashing children to abandon God and pursue sinful lifestyles. Work is discouraged, and those who excel are punished with higher taxation. Laziness is rewarded. Those who have are by means of federal theft forced to redistribute to those that do not. This is Satan's view of society. And this is the motion that he has put in place. And he systematically walks through attempting to do so. Let me tell you what God's view of society is because it's a beautiful picture. And one of the things uh, that we have to do sometimes is go, okay, if Team Truth Suppression wins, what does the world look like? If Team uh, uh, Truth Telling wins, what does it look like? Because if Team Truth Suppression wins, you know what it looks like? We've already seen it. The gulags of Russia. The concentration camps of Germany. And, And China. That's what happens when Team Truth Suppression wins. What happens if Team Truth Telling wins? We have a world By the way, both teams want to win. Team Truth Suppression, their number one tactic to win is violence. Violence. That's why godless societies always end in violence. You know what Team Truth telling? You know what our number one tactic is to win? Truth and love. That's our tactic. We want to love you so much, (laughs) right? If Team Truth Telling wins, what happens? The lame man gets healed. That's what happens. That's a beautiful picture. Here's God's plan for society. Society is a collection of humans made in the image of God Men and women marry, have and train children, and experience the joy of family. These families become the building blocks of society. They freely engage in commerce. They build wealth in order to provide uh, for their needs, to build God's kingdom, and to serve the poor. Governments exist to maintain God's law and to punish evil behavior. Education is a means of teaching God's good law and instilling godly values. Work is honored, and those who excel are rewarded. Those who have voluntarily serve those who do not, modeling Christ's generosity and self-sacrificing love. That's the world I want to live in a world that, where the gospel breaks into the human heart, where you follow out God's plan of man, women, marriage, family, and society. And I know that right now it is not the world that we live in, but the entire point of this series and doing what we're doing uh, is reminding ourselves as the church that we have a biblical mandate to bring the gospel and to bring truth to a world and to bring the gospel in light in such a way that it would begin to reflect this, as opposed to the distortion that I mentioned. So you can look at this from from small to big. I don't care how you look at it. Right now we can look out and we say, okay, the world is distorted by Satan's perspective. Let's bring it in, let's bring it in. Where does it start? It starts with men and women and marriage and family. And so it starts with us looking in Is the gospel breaking into my heart? Is the gospel breaking into my marriage? Is the gospel breaking into my family? Is the gospel breaking into my small segment of society, my business, my church, uh, my whatever? Okay, now will that break through even more? And sometimes it's easier to see the big problems in society, right? But then we got to bring it all the way back down to us as individuals, submitting to the gospel again, letting the gospel break in through each and every one of us, letting the gospel impact our marriage and our family. And that's why we're walking through this series. And I can tell you, I think the world needs it. And I think you know people that need it. And I think it's up to us to let them know they're out there. And you want to hear clear truth, come and join us. You know, the, the biggest distortion of the world, by the way, is what? That God doesn't exist or that we can become God ourselves. In First Corinthians, its main point it's not just talking about all the fragments of it, but talking about the primary point. The world will say God doesn't exist or that we can become God ourselves, but we know that God became man in order to rescue us. And so Christ went to the cross and he secured our sanctification and our redemption, reconnecting us back to the God who created us all, transforming us so that we might now go about bringing this truth and this gospel to the world. This is our church. This is our mission. And I can say this, it is not the time right now to be quiet. It is a time for us to walk in this. And so, on your way out today, you can grab one of these, okay? You can also grab a much smaller version that would simply just invite someone there. And I will tell you this, Satan's going to want you to think, don't worry, everything's fine, you don't need to do anything. Guys, we've got a mission. We've been called to do it. Let's do it together. I'm going to pray. I've got one last closing remark, and then uh, Chris will come up to do the announcements, okay? Let's pray. God, thank you for our time together. Thank you for truth. Uh, Thank you for the way that you are um, working in us. I pray that you would continue to sanctify us and change us by the power of your gospel, Lord. I pray that you would awaken us to the reality of the world that we live in. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, guys, thank you so much for being here. Hey, before I go, uh, I just want to take a second and uh, and acknowledge somebody for joining us today. Um, as we get closer uh, to uh, um, Election Day, obviously right now we're seeing campaigns and everything's getting crazy, all of that kind of stuff. Um, but I always think it's good, as much as we can, to meet people that might represent us someday. Uh, and so this last week, we reached out to um, both a congressional candidate and in a, a current elected um, congressional candidate. Uh, member, and um, one of them hung up on us and one of them took our invite, okay? Um, and so um, uh, J.R. Majewski is down here on the front row. Hi, J.R. Um, and <laughs> obviously he was the one who accepted, okay? Um, and uh, and uh, if you, if you want to meet somebody who might represent you someday, he will be down here. He'd love to talk to you, okay? Thanks for being here. Appreciate it. I know you're a very busy man right now, okay? Um, Not too busy for church. That's a good answer, man. I like you. Um, Hey, can we pray for you? Yeah, okay. Will you guys pray with me? Uh, Father, uh, we pray for a man who has put his life on hold in order to pursue serving us. And that is something that should be honored. And so we ask that you would protect he and his wife, that you would fill his heart and his mind with your truth. And Father, if he were to win and to serve, we pray that he would do so in a way that reflects the truths that we have talked about this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you'd like to take a next step with Redemption Church, visit us online at experienceredemption.com slash connectcard. You can also give online to support the work of Redemption Church. To explore your giving options, visit experienceredemption.com slash giveonline. We hope that the message you heard today encouraged you. See you again soon.